0: Welcome back, everyone, to the best damn MMA podcast you've never heard of, The known Name MMA Show. Thank you for joining me on this lovely October 5th. I am joined by a special guest. Please introduce yourself.
1: <laughs> Thanks for the special introduction.
0: I'm
1: a, a random, random MMA fan from South Africa, and... Uh... <laughs> I have some opinions, like I suppose, everyone involved in the sport. I like to share them. and uh, to give me a platform here and chat some some rubbish with them about a sport we we are passionate about.
0: For sure. And I can't wait to get all into the details, especially with this pass card that everybody was dogging on back actually had six finishes. Mm-hmm. I think in the first round or something, I don't know, it was fucking insane. And also the controversial main event, not that controversial, but a little bit. But first, um, how was your weekend? Do you do anything?
1: Uh, At the moment, man, I'm busy, stuck in a construction zone, which is exciting. But I've relocated my business in my house and trying to prepare a 100-year-old building (laughs) To be uh, accommodating for business. So, fuck, I've been running around doing all sorts of shit. I see on Saturday my uh, phone registered that I walked eight kilometers. Holy shit. I don't know how much that is in in miles, but uh, I didn't leave this fucking building. So, (laughs) doing lots of fun things like that. (laughs) But nothing exciting. So,
0: I mean, I I don't know what that is in miles, but you you put in a lot. You put in like six miles at least.
1: I think it's 1.6 miles to a k. So, Whatever the math is in
0: that, I don't know. I
1: draw pictures for a living, so that's chill. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, as for me, uh, I didn't have that much of a crazy weekend just watching the fights. It kind of chilled. Uh, we had Hurricane Ian over in the States. Um, Jesus, it affected I Florida. So. I, I got some gray clouds over here, so uh, nothing too crazy in North Carolina and besides that just elon musk finally uh buying twitter so, so somebody from <laughs> so so do you vouch for elon like what's what's the opinion cuz i have one and it's not
1: flattering no.
0: i do not like My elon soul. musk
1: look he's he's got some attachment to south africa but as far as he's concerned, he's pretty much renounced that. He doesn't speak very highly of his time here or anything. Um, look, I'm, I'm pretty critical of a lot of things capitalist-based, and Elon represents that as a fucking figurehead at the moment, so definitely critical. Critical of his time in South Africa as well. I mean, he was raised in the upper echelon of the 1% of his family mm-hmm. having their apartheid mind. From what I read, he had a, a chauffeur driving him around as a teenager. I don't know anyone one person who's growing up with that kind of experience. I mean, his South African experience and mine are very different. But uh, yeah, I mean, fuck. <laughs> it's interesting <laughs> to see. He's a, he's a businessman who's made celebrity out of it. So I guess it's strange to see on the other side.
0: But uh, this too. Twitter
1: deal, yeah, it sounds like it's, it's more that he tried to get out of it and his hand's being forced a bit now. So let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean... That he's now committed to.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it, so I've been... I, I used to be on Elon's nuts whenever I was in college. And the more and when more I, I looked
1: into, into it... I also did, I also did, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was like, oh, well, you know, he's doing electric vehicles and he's trying to do renewable energy, but the more and more you look into it, it's like, he doesn't sell any vehicles. He sells like 30,000 exactly. compared to toyota's million it's of course but it's double the value of toyota and
1: he i think he's he's really i mean he's not even necessarily a, a from what i understand a qualified engineer or no space fucking anything like that he's just really good at marketing himself i guess he's he's become a public figure and he uses that sway to get investors on board because he does have a fucking army of i don't know followers i suppose can translate into market influence all sorts of shit i mean when he was playing around with nfts and all that crap like fuck and uh crypto right influence markets so easily it's 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 scary but anyway like
0: he's not even he's not even the co-founder of tesla he's (laughs) He's co-founder in name he has Mm -hmm. that title he had to sue the actual founders of tesla to get that title
1: Exactly. It wasn't the same. I think the same thing happened with, what was it, PayPal or whatever he was involved yep, with
0: as well. exactly the same yeah. thing. And I think he was trying to do the same thing with Twitter, but and it's, it's not mean, the what same. Are,
1: what are his actual inventions of, I mean, a fucking flamethrower, the fucking train tunnel that goes nowhere. I see he now announced that AI robot that like waved and lifted its leg, which he says is the future of Tesla, but whatever his plan is there, I'm not sure. But, that's, but I mean, like, the stuff he has a hands-on influence is fucking
0: like, yeah, it's like that computer, eat. that robot's not gonna do <laughs> shit. Exactly. Like, but I mean, you fuck. still haven't gotten the cyber truck yet.
1: Exactly. And I mean, his fucking demo <laughs> for that thing when the window smashed—he's just
0: riding the memes himself. It's a fucking. Problem. I know. It's. <laughs> it's just a hype train now at this point, and people are. Like he's the only billionaire that people actually like and I just don't get it. He's just as evil. Exactly.
1: Why is he exact
0: why is he exempt?
1: Because he's fucking active on Twitter. Right. It's ridiculous.
0: And even his like base takes are so far off. I'm like, why? After hey, I saw is... his, Yeah. Uh, go ahead. No,
1: I was saying he was just recently weighing in on the whole Ukraine Russia situation. Like he's got answers there that are super one sided and... Myopic, it's strange. He's sending satellites to space, and I don't know how much political experience he's got. Yeah, South Africa has some crazy political history, but like I say, it's not like he was here for that, and he's super critical of South Africa. He was quite Mm -hmm. bullied in high school, I believe, and that influenced his opinion of South Africans quite a lot after he went off to Canada, but uh, (laughs) I
0: mean, there's a lot more to South Africa than what he experienced, apparently, so... For sure. But <laughs> moving on from Elon and the mess that he is, let's yes. talk about some fucking violence and get on with the MMA Minute. So yes. the tetralogy between Davison Figueiredo and Brandon Moreno is now official. UFC 283 in Brazil, we get the fourth time that an opponent has faced somebody four times in a row in Davison Figueiredo. And Brandon Moreno is trying to unify that belt. Uh, how do you feel about four times the charm with them going at it for this belt?
1: Look, I mean, oh, it's tricky. First time in UFC history, which is interesting. And I think in this one unique situation, it does apply. I mean, between the two of them, and the last what, 15, 16 combined fights, they only have losses against each other. Mm-hmm. It's been, the fights are so fucking entertaining. When they fight, it's good fun. It's not like we're disappointed in any way. And the rest of the division is a little scattered at the moment. I mean, not that much, but there is a little, a little, you know. I see Kaikai uh, kai of France. I mean, he was up there. He was a potential contender. Askarov's fighting soon as well again, but he lost to kai, kai of France. So. Yeah. Who would you put in the discussion if not those two right now?
0: Well, the only other person would be Alexandra Pintoja, and he is going to be the backup fighter for both of these guys. I don't think he's going to have a match on the card. He's just going to weigh in. That's the only other person that I could see Alexander Pratoja. I would put against Brandon Moreno, but sure. big uh, Rato against Moreno. Every time they fight, it's just perfection. It's, it is. it's just <laughs> crazy technique, crazy chins, it's just the styles complement each
1: other so nicely. They get in there, they get to express them. It's beautiful. It's, it's really. I mean, if the fights weren't entertaining, I question right. it. But like I say, every time it's just
0: they. It's exactly. The every watch. time it's... it is just fireworks. Like there is exactly. no boring Davis and Figueroa versus Brandon Moreno fight. So that's exactly. where. Recently, I've come to the conclusion that sometimes it needs to be rescheduled. Sometimes. But before I was very much against rematches, it was like, no, so, there's plenty of feet. You have to feed up, you have to, especially, at develop. The right? You have to develop from the bottom from the top. You you can't just keep on fighting. Th- that's how you end up with nobody else fighting for this championship. But in terms of both of these fighters, I do think that they are the pinnacle of this division. I don't think anybody else really comes close to either Figueredo or Moreno besides each other. Uh, at least now we'll see who wins this and we'll see who gets the next crack at it. I don't think there will be a, I don't even know what the a fifth fight would be called. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm completely excited. I'm so down and especially for it to be in Brazil. I think it's going to be a special treat for everybody down there and yeah, Davis or Figueiredo just needs to make weight, which <laughs> it's been a tall, tall task as of late. Um, Moving on, Benil Dariush was asked, uh, what if Michael Chandler earns the next title shot? And he said that the UFC would be a clown show. Um, what do you think about Benil Darush? Do you think if he wins against Matosh Gamrat, that he gets the next title shot against Charles Oliveira or Islam? Sorry, man, I got disconnected for a second, but I am back now.
1: With regards to... Dar- oh, man, Darius, it's a tricky one because his record stacks pretty equally against Islam's, for example, who has got that. I mean, he is coming off a year and a half with that busted leg, which was mm-hmm. inactive. But when he was, just before that, I mean, he had, what, four fights in two years? But he uh, is on that fucking 7 year
0: streak. He, he, yeah, season. I mean, he's on a seven-fight winning streak. He's yeah. fought plenty of people. I mean, he was going to fight Charles Oliveira before. He was going to give... Exactly. Charles, that chance to enter into the top five, then he's Charles and Tony, and then it just changes the course of everything. Definitely.
1: And I mean, from what he's saying, he is booked as the backup fighter for Islam versus uh, Charles there. And I mean, that does seem to indicate that the UFC is considering him there. But also the fight against Gam- Gamrod is, a, I think it's quite a defining one for him, because if he loses that fight by chance, I mean, where does that put him? that's a bit of a tricky one if he wins yeah potentially he's I mean who else we can't argue almost anyone else gets that shot above him although I could see the UFC messing him over giving it to someone like McGregor or Chandler with all his talk but uh I mean fuck Yamrod's a killer he is and if he fucking doesn't pull that one through I think the problem with Dariush is there isn't as much Respect from him from the crowd side, from the fan side. He hasn't made himself as much of a character, which you don't always need to do in the UFC. But him calling out, for example, Chandler now is maybe potentially him setting up something after Gamera? Uh,
0: possibly. I think that would be the smartest move. Yeah. It, it just sucks. It, it's just uh, a consequence of his placement in the card. Uh, you Thank know, me, yeah. we have Charles Oliveira, we have Islam Makachev, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gagey, Michael Chandler, and him. And he's like exactly. best friends with Justin Gagey, so he's not gonna fight Justin. Michael Chandler is so exciting, he just naturally gets those yeah, things. I mean, and and not I mean, even mention, that... oh, go ahead. I mean,
1: with Daniel's uh, critique of Chandler, I mean, Chandler's coming, he got the title shot against Charles Lust lost against Justin yeah he beat uh, Tony out there and quite decisively but i mean look at Tony at the moment they've dropped him to like 15 in the rankings or something yeah but uh, uh is a win but again that top 5 is it really indicative of the killers in the division right now i right. must feel like ufc at the moment anyways on a transitional stage where we've got all these this new hungry young blood and the top of the divisions are uh, a lot of it is based on on previous things from, from, obviously from before, but killers at the moment are the guys whose names we can't fucking pronounce, and they're coming up fast, can't let mm-hmm. that stagnate too much. But Niels, right. all the guys on the top there, they, they they know, they, their title shots and their title opportunities at the moment are do or die, I think, aside from Charles and Islam, who are fucking amazing and on top of the game. But I mean, even looking at Poirier, looking at Chandler, looking at Dustin, I mean, Darius, I would say, is probably the most deadly out of those options, but they've all got the clout and the name behind them, too, which gives them options.
0: Right, and I think that's his biggest detriment. It's because he's not a character. He's very straightforward, yeah. and, I, I mean, mean to the... be honest, if if Charles wins, I think he gets McGregor next. Yeah, and I like that. I mean, if if McGregor... he fights McGregor and wins, Alexander Volkanovsky's just waiting. So that could possibly be two fights that he has to wait for in order for him to get his title shot.
1: And maybe he's thinking of that in mind and stirring the pot a little bit with Chandler because, I mean, that would be a great fight. And it makes some Mm -hmm. sense at the top five there. So maybe he understands that even if he does take this win out, he's got to maybe put one more in in between him getting that title shot, even if it's just due to the opportunity, not his own inactivity or, or anything like that. But like you say, it might be a while before he's... Considered, at least from the numbers, I mean, if they've got the options with uh, McGregor, it's always going to take it. And uh, maybe even a fucking Islam rematch could be on the cards. Volkanovski, I mean, that's the other argument. People are saying That's a Volk's got a very good reason to make a claim for that too. And that also indicates what's going on in that top five. But still, I mean, I'd love to see Volk
0: at that at 155. It would be great. For sure. I think it would be the best test yet for him. Uh, moving on So we have Bo Nickel Calling out Hamza Chimaev. uh I made a little video It didn't do quite so well on Instagram But like I everybody Just blowing it up on TikTok <laughs> Where I said That we're forgetting how good American wrestling is So first I'll start off with a quote From Bo First off in speaking about Hamza, this dude talks about He's ready to always go, he's a gangster This and that bro, you can't even beat the scale. What are you doing? This is just a dude that has no accountability, who doesn't treat that sport professionally. That makes me way less nervous to fight him in the future because if we're going to fight, I know that he's not committed like I am. I know he's not willing to do the things that I'm willing to do. Yeah, he's talented. Yeah, he has skills. But if that's how you approach the sport, if that's how you treat it, we're on different levels. <laughs> um, how high are you? Not enough <laughs> on Bo Nickel since you yeah. not from the states. Like I, I want to know the so, international flavor yeah. for how I mean,
1: American wrestling obviously we don't have, doesn't have the kind of foothold that it has here in South Africa. There is no culture of it. It isn't a school sport or anything like that. I mean, if you were to get into it, it's something you have to seek out to niche gyms that are offering it. And mm-hmm. I suppose you are finding don't necessarily have any
0: kind of depth, like all your and, and, and... where back after that brief right. connect. Mm, good so, times. good times. You, you, all my preparation. You <laughs> and you decided to dip out. Um, so, yeah. Right. A little of it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, in your point, like, yeah, I think the infrastructure for wrestling, at least in the States, is it's just mm. a generational thing. I think a lot of kids start off, like, in Indiana, where you have nothing just farmland you can either be a farmer or you can toss and turn and wrestle and these (laughs) guys do it day in day out from five years old till whenever they can possibly try out for the olympics even though i do believe that hamzat is very talented i just Mm -hmm. don't know like
1: I mean, if you look at... I mean, if you even look at your... Uh, from what I can do have picked up on it, I mean, the NCAA, although it just is national, the depth of competition, there's probably more than they're seeing in the entire fucking Dagestan, Chechnya area anyway, even with their specified stuff. And his time in Sweden again. Yeah, he's been wrestling for long. But uh, that depth of exposure, man. These guys, like you say, they live it from such a young age. And they do there too. But it's more focused, I think, on... Uh, competition based as well on the stamina and endurance and having those things like the olympics and shit to strive for really does just make the pool so refined at the top that the top guys and boy nickel is in that very small percentage of top guys fucking killers i mean they have to be the people right. competing up there for that position it's just amazing and then there's all the funding and all of that stuff backing it up as well to make sure that the That's potential big. is seen at the top so it's huge but again, I mean, looking at just being pure wrestling, does he have? I don't know too much. I mean, does he have striking experience at all? He, I know he, like I mentioned, I think his mother is an amateur boxer. So potentially he's done some of that. Or is he going in with just pure
0: wrestling intention? I mean, from his, that's fights, Yeah, from two of his fights that I saw, uh, the last one with, I think, Donovan Beard um he almost knocked him out with one punch and then yeah exactly that's his what i'm saying first well, it's, it's professional to fight. See. yeah his first professional fight was a knockout so i mean he's definitely not scared and definitely not just going out there and wrestling he's knocking people out Um exactly and i think everyone's expecting and intimidated by his wrestling that it opened up opportunities for him before
1: his striking too which is cool
0: mm-hmm.
1: but then also if like, we look i, I, I... Oh, no, go ahead yeah, okay. Well, I was just saying, like, other pure wrestlers who, who have seen an MMA, I was having a look to see what kind of success they've had. And uh, I saw Michael Batista, who's of the Olympics. He beat DC in the Olympics, I believe, from Cuba. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he was submitted by Maurice Green on Tough, who's a kickboxer. Ooh. Then uh, I had a look at Kevin Jackson, Olympic gold. Probably the most fucking decorated MMA fighter out there. But Olympic gold medalist, four-time American D1 champion two-time world champ, three-time World Cup medalist, and he's got a 4-2 MMA record. So how much can it convert? I think that the trick there is that uh, Bo is not scared to engage and look at the opportunities
0: that his wrestling gives him from a striking angle as well. Maybe those other guys were too focused on it. Maybe. And then they just forgot that he also had hands and just ate it. Yeah, But, I mean, even his jiu-jitsu from what I saw in that Donovan Beard fight where He ends up rolling over and just taking mount, and then rolls him over again into a triangle. I was just like, oh my, okay, I guess we're doing this now.
1: Yeah, I mean, transitioning out of that and seeing what wrestling provides him as a foundation with these other opportunities too. I mean, that's where it's going to get real interesting, I think. Mm -hmm. But I mean, from my side, not having grown up in the culture and such, I'm just very curious to see how such a specific style translates in the sport. Someone who is a purist and is so fucking good at it. The other interesting element with him and Hamzat is, I mean, I'm assuming they're going to, if they meet up, if they ever do, will be at 185. Mm -hmm. Hamzat, I suppose, I think Burnicol's fought even at 211 here. So he's sitting probably on the heavier, more comfortable side of 185, whereas Hamzat's playing down at 170, although last time not so much. So from that side as well, he's coming in as a big 185-er with all that dominance on the ground. We saw Hamzat against Burns. When he is fighting these guys who are willing, he said he didn't want to engage on the ground. He wasn't enjoying it. And uh, that's what'll get forced on him. So it'll be an interesting matchup.
0: Also, he's also
1: being just talking about the right characters, you know, making sure Mm -hmm. his name's mentioned with guys who are currently in the headlines, if not always for the right reasons.
0: Right. And going off of that, so his best Mm -hmm. friend, Chechen dictator Mm -hmm. Katarov has threatened nuclear war ahead of his fight, it, uh, ahead of his fighter competing in the UFC. Um, he suggested using low-yield nuclear weapons in Ukraine. And there was a report from Combate that did release where they were saying that uh, Hamza Chamayev was... In Russia, being detained with his passport taken away, that has been refuted. Uh, Komodo reached out to Hamzat's manager, and he stated that he was just visiting his uh, family in Chechnya and that he is going to be returning to Sweden. Uh, he's not going to be held over. To what extent should people care about this? So hmm. everybody that talks is about Hamzat being yeah. so good, but they don't. They don't actually make the connection between like Habib or, Hamzat, to Mm Kadirov. And I mean, Kadirov is
1: very active and relevant right now in the world and its discussions. I mean, on top of that, after all this news came out that he isn't meant to be detained, that just within the last 24 hours, he's posting photos of him hanging out with him again. I assume he is there with him now. Mm -hmm. And his most recent uh, post, I couldn't translate it myself, but it seems like some kind of could it be the propaganda? I mean, in Russia at the moment, apparently they have more people trying to flee the country than they have currently conscripted up into the army itself. Yeah. Could it be Kadyrov trying to pull them in and show, you know, like while everyone's leaving, these figureheads of our that are doing so well internationally are coming back home? Or oh, is it something else? What does it play there? It's it's a fucking crazy time at the world. And Kadyrov as a, as a character is... Uh, look, what I did like... Oh, as much as you can, is uh, Mm -hmm. the Russian leadership, apparently one of Putin's right hand men shot down his idea immediately and said, you know, it's not rational thinking kind of thing. I mean, it's not like they're fucking doing the most rational things at the moment, but Kadyrov, as a character in general does almost seem like, I mean, I don't want some fucking scary dudes coming and knocking on my door, but like, you know, the brat brat of the area, he's just tolerated by Putin. He gave him his semi-independence. He's... Been very cozy with, and not just Russian and Chechen and Dagestani fighters, but a lot of American Western fighters, too, over the years, made their way over there. He's uh, put himself in a very strange position and has a bunch of sanctions on him right now. Has his fighters, like Max Maxim Grisham, who was there. Well, I know the fight got postponed, but uh, mm-hmm. was set to fight on the weekend while he's calling for nukes. And uh, UFC is making statements where they say, yes, they have no ties to a mirroring, but how far does it extend? I mean, right in the world right now, we, we're on the verge potentially of a fucking third world war. One of the characters who's literally calling for fucking nukes at the same time is posting fucking photos and pictures of him and videos rolling with this dude we all just ignore. He's literally right there, right now. <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: all he has to do is just choke him out and then somewhat suffering would end. Uh, I mean, yeah, Padilla, I literally has crap against humanity he charges against him. It's insane, right? <laughs> um, I just don't. I don't see the uh, the appeal. I don't see why Hamza is a product of the war in Chechnya, exactly. which rob is partly responsible for. Like, how do you not right. blame this person for you having to leave your country? And having to leave it to go somewhere else to prosper. Like, how do you not
1: correlate that? The the party fighters as well. I mean, it was up until, what, 2007, they were having a civil war with Keshe, with Karirav's father. I mean, that Ahmad MMA is named after his father, the man responsible for how many of these guys deaths are. And that Mm -hmm. also makes you worry how how much of that is out of social obligation, feeably. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm... clueless to how the, the power plays happen over there, but there's obviously discussions. People mention, like, you know, these guys don't have a choice, but Hamza looks very happy next to him. I mean, he fucking personally called him out after the Burns fight, saying, like, I hope you're watching, brother, and this and that. Yeah, it's and, weird. I just don't, yeah, I don't know. And I mean, where do draw the line? And what is UFC's gain from this? Is it the influence in certain countries within, you know, certain markets and stuff where, I don't know, like, for example, the Dagestani and Chechen fighters have very big influence in the Middle East where they're able to do all their stuff with the COVID lockdowns and shit. Is it those kind of obligations where they they have to turn a blind eye? And how far Mm. does it go? I don't know. What is the motivation for tolerating it aside from money? I mean, it's always coming down to the money.
0: Yeah. And the UFC at that point will tolerate anything. Speaking exactly. of the money, uh, mm. Mark Zuckerberg, this past weekend, attended UFC Vegas 61. So according to Ariel Helwani, the UFC approached Mark Zuckerberg saying, like, hey, it looks like you're an MMA fan. Do you want to catch a fight? So at that point, the UFC shut down the Apex, not allowing any family members of the fighters, any fans, any media members. It was pretty much a private Mark Zuckerberg party. However, he did not himself rent it out. It was the UFC that approached him. So mm. off of that, there was a, a lot of like drama and stuff that kind of went along with it. Uh, so there was the media members first that they were like, hey, like, why can't we do our job? Then it was the fighters. So <laughs> in one of the craziest little turns, uh, Lee Li Jingliang got a new suit to go <laughs> down on him and support her as a, you know wow. a tournament and he was not able to come because everybody was banned so this is the second time this guy has gotten a suit well, to just not not a... to wear it.
1: I think uh, this is one of my favorite narratives in MMA or in UFC at the moment and I'm glad that it continues. Even though it's sad for him, I'm just glad the fucking legend of his suit continues. Goddamn. damn <laughs>
0: At this point, how did you feel about Zuckerberg being at UFC Vegas?
1: Look, my feelings to start, there was discussions on, they were uh, using it as a showcase for Meta, uh, the VR whole sort of thing with the Metaverse and all that crap, but I didn't see too much more discussion from Dana from that side, so that's probably bullshit. But then my feeling is they've had how many celebrities at events? They've had the goddamn sitting president of America at events. Is Mark Zuckerberg a fan of MMA culture and the whole vibes, the crowds, the fans, all of that, or like a robot purely technique, was he just there to observe the fucking sterile environment? <laughs> I don't know. But part of me did enjoy the kickback to uh, COVID times, where we could hear every punch, you can hear the coaches' inv- uh, inputs and stuff like that. A part of me did like that. But again, it just seems so classic. It's it's so weird. <laughs> the fact that the fighters' families couldn't be there is you know, these are the guys putting their fucking health, their lives, potentially fucking all of that on the line for these people. And if they're locked out, it's I don't know. But Zuckerberg and his wife's family who apparently aren't even that clued up on it, based on some of their reactions, get invited. It seems strange, I don't know. But again, another interesting element of it is doing that. Look, I don't want to diss the fight now or whatever. The card was what it was, but it wasn't exactly getting much media attention or anything. And almost by excluding everyone else and including this one person, Dana was again able to generate so much more interest and media reporting on the event and make sure UFC is again in everyone's faces on a platform they relate to outside of
0: just fighting. So you could argue that was a smart move. Uh, Yeah, for sure. I think you're right. I think it created more controversy and for a card that on paper did not really show up as it I mean it's not UFC 280. This is a yeah. different this is a a a card in between two weeks where there are no UFC fights. It's a female main event it has slim pickings in terms of what you consider of you know fighters on the card. Even though it was amazing it was on paper yeah. not the craziest looking card. So if there's a throwaway event where you don't really need fans, you're not going to re- really sell any tickets like that. You're not going to have anybody really paying attention. Create some controversy and invite Mark Zuckerberg and just ban everybody from watching the fight, <laughs> including the fighters' families. Because at that point, you're going to get some reactions. They not they might not be the best reactions or the ones that you're looking for, but you're definitely going to get them. And, and he got know. him that's in phase. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying Dana's happy whether It's good reactions or bad. (laughs) Because he doesn't care. He's sitting pretty at the end of the day, just making sure that the company's making money. And if everybody's talking about them versus Bellator, who had the full media press, had uh, fine fights or whatever, at the end of the day, we're all talking about the UFC. It doesn't even matter. So, I mean, it's a
1: smart move. It kind of also harkens back to like you know old combat sport in the Coliseum for these fucking rich people. And if you think about the ADCC, right, it started with rich dudes bringing out, I mean, renting out entire stadiums where you couldn't even see them watching these dudes fucking from around the world showcasing. But this is different because the UFC invited him. I guess they set the terms of this. I mean, I'm sure you would have said it would need to be a media blackout. But then again, is Zuckerberg not a fan of MMA culture? Surely he would want to go, and they have celebrities, and they can accommodate them safely, and they have before. I mean, I don't know. Seems strange. Just seems like he's not interested in the entire experience. It was a right. very uh, all compared to what it could have been.
0: Yeah, no, it was definitely if weird Zuckerberg for sure.
1: Zuckerberg in the in the in the crowd. It would have been pretty weird too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of weird, um, mm-hmm. and uh, lots of money. One championship Mm -hmm. reports a record high $110 million in losses for last year's books, 2021. At this point, with all the SEC filings and everything else, they have lost a total of $383 million. Do you? Well, so that's the thing. So the finances for one championship are very, very sketchy. There, yeah. uh, the president, uh, I'm forgetting his name, but he, Shaftere, he yeah, he frequently said that those numbers are not correct. Don't believe everything that you see in the media, but this is bloody elbow reporting it. That's been corroborated with filing. So these are legitimate numbers. Do you think one championship is around for the next five years? It's tricky. I mean,
1: from what I saw, they've been reporting these losses since 2017, and again, they blamed a bit on COVID, but I mean, that's consistent loss over a long time. Mm -hmm. From what they claim, but again, I'm not sure how much we can believe what they claim, but they say they're one of the 10 biggest uh, sports promotions in the world, which is a fucking something that should be making money as far as I'm concerned, even with a tricky situation. I mean, the scope in Asia is huge. Do you feel like they are gaining more popularity in the Western Hemisphere? And do they need it? I feel like, I mean, they're putting on interesting fights. They've made some interesting deals. with, uh, Even with regards to the uh, grappling matches they're doing, they do seem to be picking up in the Western Hemisphere. But how much of a difference would that make? I don't know.
0: That's where it might be too little, too late. Uh, they did start showing their fights for free through Prime. Uh, So, you know, in terms of America There's at least 150 million Americans that have Prime memberships, so you have that Potential market, however Just because you have that potential market Doesn't mean that people are going to watch even if it's Free, if it comes included, like if they Don't care, they're not going to watch So I just, the buzz Is still not there, I mean The Mm -hmm. buzz that I get from a Eagle FC event Whenever sure. I talk about that, I mean, I can just correlate it to what I put out in terms of content, where if I put out something about Eagle FC, I, I'm still getting more likes than one championship. Mm. So based off of that correlation, I'm just like, well, how are you less popular than Eagle FC when you have to go to a website to be able to watch those fights where yours is free on an internet streaming service that everyone has?
1: And it also makes you wonder have they sort of diluted it a bit much? I mean, on their side, that market is more open to the different styles of fighting and stuff where it isn't just pure MMA. Mm-hmm. It is because it's so diluted that it doesn't translate as well across to, to other audiences that are more used to something specific? And I mean, again, does that, it also brings in the question does this prove that Dana's White, Dana White's business model works? I mean, He does things by his own rules and does it differently but he seems to have established more sustainability they're reporting some of their best years ever Um, he gets a lot of flack for it I personally do also give flack for it but does it work is that the thing is the alternative that going 400
0: million into debt I think so I think that Uh to be completely honest Dana White is the only one that can like not run a business but run a business well Just in business terms, he runs that well. Um, If Bellator was on the same kind of level in terms of promotion, uh, providing interviews for their fighters, providing media coverage, they would be doing even better than they currently are. But I just don't think that they, on some level, are able to do the business quite right. That's why they're always going to be stuck in second place. I think it, it's one of those things where Dana White, because he is capable, not saying that he's a good businessman, just a capable yeah. one, that Look. alone lends itself to the UFC being the top combat promotion in the world. Just him being right. capable enough to run it without burying it into the ground. Uh, Definitely. In terms of bleeding like this, I just don't understand. I don't, mm. I don't see how this is sustainable but I also don't exactly. see how Eagle FC is sustainable, how they are able to pay these fighters the way that they're paying them for no... Man, some of those shady investors. <laughs> right. In I mean, you're mean, you're getting just money from Saudi Arabia and money from, like, organizations that we have no knowledge of where it actually comes from.
1: I mean, the guy who funded uh, Eagles... Uh, oh, what was the name of... It's also Eagles FC, uh, Khabib's gym back in Dagestan yeah the dude who funded that is currently sitting in jail for fraud and whatever charges like it's fucking a joke but anyway
0: (laughs) yeah i mean there's always gonna be fraud i think it's just coming to a head where it's just like you guys know right like there's no way you cannot admit to it when it's so blatant um and i mean i don't know it's gonna be real weird (laughs)
1: I mean, how much confidence can you get out of Shatri when he is denying the reported fucking numbers and muddying the waters intentionally? And I mean, he's been saying like since 2017 that they're two years away from profit and Mm -hmm. now they've reported their biggest loss ever. And you could say, sure, that might be because they've made their biggest investments ever or they've got their biggest plans, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But at the same time, I mean, those numbers are... And even, even if they gained all that popularity, most of their income does seem sponsorship-based. But if they have this deal already in place with Prime, they're going to potential sponsors and saying, look, we have an audience of 1.5 or 15, whatever those numbers were you said. It's not mm-hmm. like they're basing that on viewership. They're basing that on their contract already. So they're mm-hmm. going to have to break into all new markets beyond what they've already secured with a nice football in America to get attention of other sponsors or move to an entirely different fucking... But yeah, I mean, they're spending money, but it doesn't seem to be coming back.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, as long as fighters are getting paid, I could care less. That's that's the other side of it. But the more competition (laughs) that there is, the more opportunities that there's going to be for fighters. So it would suck to see one go. But I mean, the way that they're going, I just don't even understand how that business plan can even remotely sustain itself. I mean,
1: especially considering their last year is their biggest loss. I mean, that's that's not a good sign.
0: Yeah. But that's it for this week's MMA Minute. Now we're going off to it's time where we go into deep dives over three separate topics. First, so Joe Rogan recently, after being uh, confronted about Brendan Schaub's conspiracy theory concerning UFC 278, uh, he says that Brendan Schaub needs a handler. Now, Brendan Schaub responds back to him saying, people like people like to get mad at me. Come on. Do you actually think Dana would actually do that to UFC 279? Brendan needs a handler. Do I or does your boy need a handler? I'm not the one playing grab ass with Mark Zuckerberg, letting him run out the UFC, shutting it down for his own entertainment. You should have ran badly that. Well, you should have run that by me, right? I don't need a handler. You guys need a handler. And he continues saying that, uh, let's see, he calls Mark Zuckerberg pretty much a casual, saying that he's only been following the sport for a week. How can you do that to the fighters? Um, How do you feel about Brendan Schaub? Man, this... (sighs) What a strange fallout between the two.
1: Look, Brandon was, as a father, non-entity. He was, you know, he did his time we can never forget. He did fucking knock our crook up. Yeah. But I mean, mm-hmm. he built himself to a figure, but one that he's like such a his opinion, He's got a platform, but he doesn't have the opinions for that platform. If I can put it like that, mm-hmm. he seems to be a lightning rod for controversy, which keeps him in that platform it seems like he gets more attention currently for his lack of stand-up skill than his actual stand-up skill. Oh, my God. But at the same time, this fucking... I don't know, the weird play-out that Joe Rogan and the whole narrative between him and Brandon is kind of strange. I mean, obviously, when he called him out and got him to retire and stuff, that was strange. And I don't know. Now, this also... It's just a weird... I don't
0: know. I don't know how I feel about it all. <laughs> for me, like, i I get what he's talking about, but just because I get it doesn't mean that it's right or understandable. Um, like I said, so it, it was proven that Mark Zuckerberg did not rent this out. He was approached yeah. by the UFC. Like, it was told to everybody, by your – like, if you look for it, you can find it. And you're That's right. Good. I think he has the platform that he doesn't deserve. He yeah. has that platform because he's Joe Rogan's little baby. Exactly. So – for him to bite the hand that feeds, it's a little weird, a one. especially considering also, that everything that he has is because of Joe.
1: And also considering the topics at hand that he's finally decided this is the hill I'm going to fucking die on. I mean, the fucking Nate Diaz conspiracy theory thing and the fucking Mark Zuckerberg, Two so compared to the other issues that are at play at UFC and that he has an inside fucking knowledge and experience of. These are such strange ones to decide. Okay,
0: here we go. Yeah, this is the one I'm going to... It just... It, it, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand how you think... You, for me, the casual argument, like, oh, he only started watching MMA last week, like, it's a terrible argument to make. Because yeah. me as a fan, I want more people to enjoy MMA. Now, I, do like I like Mark Zuckerberg? Do, do I want Mark Zuckerberg to be in every... No, that's not my point. My point is that the more fans that get to watch it the bigger the sport gets the more money that the fighters get we want to grow this so and if I mean, anything zuckerberg.
1: right zuckerberg. bring zuckerberg, get more exposure different like normalized part of society where i mean facebook that whole world yeah he's a strange character but i mean he everyone fucking and the mother's goat knows who zuckerberg is and it uh, having his name associated with UFC and that kind of thing, it's a good thing potentially for these people who are like, what's going on, you know, um, it validates potentially what's going on here a bit more too to people who have negative opinions. So, although we can be critical of the entire experience,
0: perhaps the association does help grow the sport. Hopefully Hopefully. that would be the main point, but still it's just, I don't know. Brendan Schaub has no room to talk about Mm. being a casual when he can't even get Song Yadong's name right. So, I mean, mean, calling John Jones, John Africa, and multiple (laughs) other fighters that he just doesn't even care to figure out their names. I mean, such a
1: big basis of his fans is because they are casual. I mean, fuck, he relies on that. Right, it's causing so much of of his own fan base too. (laughs)
0: Um. But yeah, I don't
1: know. Brendan Sharp is just a hot mess. He's, he's so strange. I mean, that's the thing in UFC. Like, these strange characters ride to the, rise to the top in, in the general public perception, and they're not always the best representation. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, he's been given this platform, and even, like, Netflix specials and stuff. I mean, what strings were being pulled behind the fucking curtains for that shit to happen? I don't know, because it wasn't on the strength of any of his fucking shows, I'll tell you.
0: For sure. Uh, so he owes uh, people favors. <laughs> oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, I'm saying potentially Joe most of all, but he owes a lot of favors. And to be that kind of critical over such strange topics, like I say, I mean, these aren't things that really matter, for example, for fighters, like you know, the pay situations, the weight cuts, the weird things that really do impact them, health insurance. Maybe make a stand on that and you'll get some support. But Zuckerberg and conspiracy theories, that's just fucking you know, strange.
0: Yeah. Uh Moving on to our final subject, last mm-hmm. week's main event between Mackenzie Dern and Yan Nan had some expectations of it that were going to be on the boring side. I thought that that fight was, mm. I thought it was really entertaining because I, I, I've just, I'm an older MMA fan, so I've grown to love the appreciation of grappling i get it sometimes we just want to mm-hmm. see violence and strikes and elbows and everything but sometimes superior grappling like that just shines um did you watch the full fight and if so what did you think about that fifth round
1: <sighs> it's a tricky one because eh? i mean with something that is so close and when you've got such t- Our judges, do they have as much knowledge on that to be able to score as much as even ourselves as fans, as we get more knowledgeable on the grappling side of things and on details? And frankly, as we mentioned one earlier, I'd like to thank them for my developments on that because they are feeding a lot. But uh, again, comes back to the judge elements again too. How knowledgeable are judges? How satisfied are we with that element? That's so much training, so much stuff, so much stuff gets put in the hands of these people who are potentially, I mean, a lot of the time, I'm a fan, man. I spend a lot of time, I watch the ADC stuff, I watch the one fucking that, and I'll still not know what the fuck I'm seeing half the time, and uh, how much of that translates to judges who have the entire thing in their fucking hand. Because McKenzie was, I mean, how did you have it with that last round?
0: For me, I had it as a 10-8. Uh, you know, after a lot of the commentators ended up going to, um, they went to this summit in New York, they kind of went mm. over how they actually grade a fight. How do you actually score around? And they sure. were saying that it was, uh, damage dominance and duration or, or mm. I forgot the other D control but uh- right. So it's supposed to be damage, control, and then if there's no control, then it's like octagon control or whatever. Sure, yeah. the Actual rating of a round is damage, dominance, and I forgot the third D. But sure. based on that criteria, damage, it was kind of even, but in terms of dominance, Yan Nan did not do anything in that round. Like mm-hmm. nothing at all. It was all the Mackenzie Dern show in that final round and there was no position where mckenzie was even close to being in a in a bad spot mm-hmm. and yanjan Yon- Al- right, our- right. was very very vulnerable that whole round and if i had to put it in a way where it's just like it's not just the control it was like McK- it was mckenzie's round like she's the one that dictated hmm. everything so exactly. at
1: that she point, stepped in control gone. it was all her fucking, I mean, it, again, it makes you worry. Because these people put their lives on the line, <laughs> potentially for their wins. And I mean, a win and a loss in a UFC career can define so much for you. And oh, are the judges seeing what they need to see? What they're telling us they're looking for? I don't know.
0: That's where... That. I'm okay with the decision because mm-hmm. even if it wasn't a win for Yan Nan, it was going to be a draw. Sure, and sure. that wasn't going to be good for either one. So at least John, John Nan breaks her streak of three losing fights. And in terms of Mackenzie Dern, I, I still think she could be a champion. She's so yeah. scary on the ground. I just... I see her, like, pulled out of the top
1: five after that loss, but I mean, I don't think it'll be long before she's back up in there.
0: Yeah, I don't think it'll be long. I just wish she just went and learned how to wrestle if mm. she was able to take somebody down and use her jujitsu like she Definitely would be uncomfortable she wouldn't it's, it's once she's on the ground she is a fucking assassin but that
1: getting from a to b getting them to that ground is a fucking right. weakness and it's i mean she stepped up with her striking this is another little element that needs work and hopefully after Stuff like this. Maybe she was flying too high with the losses and the ground game working out for her so much, but maybe she will hopefully review that a bit. But uh, I suppose that's the thing. We, we get frustrated because uh, what we see doesn't always translate. <laughs> right. What a Japanese is also another story. But also, you mentioned, I mean, the start of that discussion saying like it was considered perhaps a bit of a throwaway and stuff.
0: Thoughts on a uh, Vegas 62? Similar yeah. situation. i mean similar situation there's only currently four fights that are official in the ufc website it's alexa grasso versus viviana Arujo, which is going to be the main event and then the three other fights that have been confirmed and the only ones that are on the ufc website google and everywhere else are three prelim fights Mm -hmm. so do you think that within a week they're going to fill out this card yeah, and how do they? I mean, I know there's various
1: discussions Magni versus Dero, Dero just a quick turnaround, which mm-hmm. is interesting to see. Tab Swanson apparently debuting at Bantamweight, which is interesting because he's doing that off the three wins. I mean, you would think he'd move down after not seeing success, but uh, he says he wants to challenge himself more. That's being discussed against Jonathan Martinez. Martinez. Mm-hmm. Martinez. Uh, but then, yeah, I mean, so many canceled fights. Mulsic versus Bredo's off as well now. Broken hand. And is uh, Arusha and Grasso, is that a. <laughs> I will be honest, on paper, again, I'm dismissive of it, but looking back, they both have always entertained me, especially in the last few fights. They got mm-hmm. good names on the belt. But is it enough to carry a card? What else is on there?
0: Like, yeah. No, <laughs> it's I mean, this card stuff. is even more of a throwaway than this, this past one. Mm-hmm. Um. <sighs> I think it's going to be a really good main event. I, I've never seen a Viviana Arujo fight where I'm displeased. Exactly. Alexa Braco, she has amazing boxing. So I do think that it's going to be standing up for a majority of the time. And they're both really good fighters. I just think that some of the narrative around women fighting and MMA, it's kind of diluted. It's kind of like, mm. I get it. I get it. Rose versus Carla was terrible. Sure. Fine. But, but that isn't
1: the showcase of the best. I mean, just after right. that, we had Weijing we, and Joanna. Uh, I mean, that was fucking beautiful both times. Yeah.
0: And I mean, that's, that's where that was, did what? Did we forget about Damian Maya versus Anderson Silva. Did we forget about Yoel Romero versus Israel Adesanya? Did we forget about all these other boring, terrible, god-awful fights? Dude, just Rory McIntyre versus part 2, Latu? first
1: one, two rounds was boring as fuck, just saying. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, but that's it's one true. of the weirdest fights in fucking history. Yeah, it's just... I just think they get a, a lot of unnecessary slack. Even mm. though some of the fights are going to be really, really good. I, this fight, Isn't I think, is going to be really good. Do I think the card overall is going to be good? No, I, yeah. I don't <laughs> know enough of the card. There's there's only four fights available, so... And how, I don't much, know. how
1: much time do they even have to tie it down? Sure, there's willing fighters out there and that's the thing like a lot of these new fighters this new crop i, I might not know mm-hmm. them but i can put on a show so i've always got time for it but does the <laughs> ufc have the they have enough prepped fighters who are fucking camp ready to go i don't know
0: i mean now with the current ingression of all these dana white contender series fighters i'm sure that's they're true, gonna be like yeah. hey you know how we just signed you you're gonna need a fight next week yeah and, and they're they, not in um, a position to say no that's sure. my guess. that's true
1: and again, it's going to be people we don't necessarily know, but those are the guys with something to prove. Those are the guys mm-hmm. who they want you to know their names. So.
0: Definitely worth giving them some time. For sure. I think it's a, a little lackluster in terms of what we're seeing currently. I do think they'll figure it out beforehand, and I think we'll still have a pretty fun little card, but maybe mm-hmm. just people that we don't know or we're not paying attention to. I see Strickland Cannoneer is going to be rescheduled
1: for December because it was... They were headlining that one, I think, yeah?
0: Yeah, that was my birthday card and they ruined it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Strickland's been quiet lately. I mean, I don't have Twitter, but fuck, I haven't heard anything from him in a while.
0: Yeah, I guess he's just training and fixing his finger. I don't know, but you're right. He's been very, very quiet as of late.
1: wonder what he's up to. Or do I?
0: Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> but, but awesome, man. Um, that is it for this week's show. Uh, thank you for hopping on, Baden. Uh, Sorry
1: about the uh, internet issues. We have a <laughs> load shedding here in South Africa, which is fun to play around with.
0: <laughs> oh, no worries, man. Uh, if I can say so, I do awesome, think it job. is our best episode yet. Uh, Baden, do you Yay. want to tell people anything you got going on?
1: Mm, nothing specific, man. You, you'll find me maybe in the comments causing some shit. I like to stir the pot a bit. But
0: otherwise, hey. Eh, just glad to share opinions with a uh, passionate fans. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm sure you'll hear something from somebody listen, <laughs> listening to the show being like, yo, what the fuck were you talking about? <laughs> I get those comments all the time. Like, okay, dude, it's fine.
1: Dude, I yep. wear it as a badge of honor that uh, Dana White is personally, like he gave me a reply with the, the rolling eye emoji, which I assume was basically calling me a fucking idiot, but <laughs> I wear it as a badge of honor. <laughs>
0: He's probably in his room calling you a goof. <laughs> yep. More <laughs> than that. <like it. laughs> but, but We'll chat again soon, Andy. I, I enjoyed it. For sure. Um, from me, Monovi and Andy, and from you, go ahead. Baden, just Baden. <laughs> Have a <quick laughs> rest of your week, everybody. From me and Baden. Talking to you guys next week. Investing your health. And as always, fuck you, John Jones. I'm with it